What's up, everybody? This is Brendan. This is Taylor. And we are Straight Up Sabres, covering the Buffalo Sabres for the Hockey Podcast Network. That's right. You can hear us every Monday and Thursday on Hockey Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter at Straight Sabres or follow us on Facebook at Straight Up Sabres. We are very excited to bring you all of the latest coverage of what is surprisingly seeming to be a pretty exciting Sabres season ahead. That's right. The Rasmus Ristolainen breakout season is here. You can only hear it every Monday and Thursday, the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to New York. Devil's State, State of, of Mind, Mind podcast. podcast, brought to you, brought by, to the you by the Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now, now here's your, here's host, your host, Neil Villapiano. Villapiano. Woo! What's going on, Devils fans? It is your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news about your New Jersey Devils. As always, thank you guys so much for taking some time out of your day to check this episode out. I do greatly, greatly appreciate it. This episode is coming on the week of Monday, November 16th, 2020. So I hope you guys are ready for this one because we always have exciting topics to talk about. We have great guests that come on every now and then. And today is certainly no exception, as about a week ago, if you're listening to this on Monday, November 16th, so you go back to November 9th of 2020, I had the pleasure of welcoming on the senior NHL writer at ESPN. He's also the co-host of the Pucks Soup podcast. He is a former Puck Daddy and New Jersey native, and that is the great Greg Wyshynski. I had him come on. We, I interviewed him and we discussed about the future of the NHL for this upcoming 2020-2021 season or, you know, considering that most likely we're going to be starting in January, the 2021 season. I asked him some questions uh, of, you know, information that he knew about possible start time, you know, when training camps will begin. And then we finished up by him giving me an evaluation of some of the players on the Devils and what his expectations are for the upcoming season. So I hope you guys are ready for this one because this was a great interview. And again, thank you so much to Greg Wyshynski for coming on the podcast and speaking with us for a little bit. We do greatly, greatly appreciate it. So I want you guys to sit back, relax, and enjoy this great interview with ESPN NHL writer, Greg Wyshynski. Okay, hockey fans, we have another special guest for you joining us here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. He is ESPN senior NHL writer, the co-host of the ESPN on Ice podcast, as well as the co-host of the Puck Soup podcast. It is a pleasure to welcome on New Jersey native Greg Wyshynski. Greg, <laughs> welcome to the Devil's State of Mind podcast. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank, we really appreciate you coming on. So 
we're kind of just going to jump right into it here. And the, the main thing that we're going to discuss, obviously, is the future of the 2020-21 NHL season. Now, I read a couple of articles that you that you wrote and also co-wrote uh, this past week that I thought were very interesting and kind of gave me a couple of questions that I would like to ask you. My first question to you is this. Now, obviously, the, what we're hearing in the NHL is that possibly January 1st, 2021 would be the start date for the 2020-21 season. Is that a confirmed date or is that more of a tentative date at this moment? Well, it's confirmed that the NHL wants it to be that date. <laughs> like, okay. That's their, that's their target date. Um, I, I think what you've come to find in talking to people around the league, um, they kind of believe it'll be a few weeks after that, uh, maybe around in the middle of January, maybe around where we usually might have All-Star Weekend. Okay. Um, just because of the timeline of things. Like, they, they are very, very early in the process of trying to figure out what they want the season to look like, where it's going to be played, how it's going to be played. There's a lot of work to be done. Um, so I think January 1st remains a, a possible target date, especially now that we know that the NBA is going to be sort of expediting its return to like the, big, the end of December. Right. But I think more realistically, it's the middle of January. You still have some people and some teams in particular that think it could be uh, maybe February 1st. Okay. Um, so I, I think that range between the, the middle of January and, and the beginning of February is, is sort of the, what you hear. But uh, when you have Gary Bettman banging the drum for January 1st, you can't necessarily uh, dismiss that as a possibility. No, you certainly cannot. Now, another big question, obviously, you know, kind of involved in the same thing is that the NHL clearly wants to have fans at some point this season. You know, speaking as myself as also a hockey fan, I would absolutely love to be able to go back and see the Devils actually play. I mean, it's been since, you know, early March since the last time we saw the Devils play. In your opinion, when do you feel like would be the possible starting point to when fans might actually be allowed to go to these games because we know how difficult it is to have sporting events indoors you know outdoors yeah. we have the nba major league soccer you know major league baseball they were able to do it because mostly it was indoors uh excuse me outdoors but talking about an indoor sport like hockey where do you feel would be a, a possible starting date for when fans could be allowed to come back in yeah it's an interesting question i mean you Part of the problem is that you do have certain municipalities that are a bit more lenient in their COVID restrictions than others. Mm -hmm. So, like, in theory, the Dallas Stars could potentially open with fans, like, when the season starts, for example. Right. And, and, and some other places, I'm sure the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning might be in that same, same boat, too, at some point. So, you, you, you have some teams that are going to be asking, why can't we open straight away with fans and, mm -hmm. and do it that way and start opening up those, those revenue streams. But obviously, you know, the California teams, New York teams, there are a bunch of others that can't right. uh, in any way right now have capacity indoors. So uh, it becomes a situation where I think majority probably rules. They, they most likely start in these sort of hub city hybrid bubble situations. Mm -hmm. But as far as when fans might be able to come back, um, it really depends on what the local governments say as far as capacity. I think then you have the other side of that equation, which is when do fans feel comfortable coming back? Because you, you have a lot of people that aren't going to be keen on even, that aren't even keen on going into indoor dining, let alone right. to an arena at this point. Right. Um, but I, I will say that I, I've not spoken to a, a source 
who has indicated they they are skeptical that fans won't won't be back for the playoffs like it seems like everybody you talk to believes that the one of the reasons this season is happening is the thought that we will get fans back in the arenas at some point during the regular season but we will certainly have them back in some way for the playoffs well obviously that's kind of the the main thing that a lot of us fans just want to want to hear we want to hope that at some point this year we get the opportunity to actually go back and you know see these games live because that would be Great thing, because yeah, it was great during the you know the bubble situation to watch a lot of hockey and and have that. But obviously, there's nothing like actually being at the game itself and seeing it live. Now, you right. mentioned about you know possible bubbles slash things, and we did hear some rumors about divisional bubbles, also a possible all Canadian bubble as well mm-hmm. or division for this year. Is that are we getting closer to where that's going to be the most likely thing for this upcoming season? Well, I, I think it's the thing that's gotten the most attention. Um, I, I hesitate to say anything is likely because they are so early in the process as far as meeting with the players and figuring out what, what everybody wants to do. Um, but I'll say that, that that is definitely the one that a lot of the teams and a lot of individuals around the league are sort of focused on because it makes the most sense. I mean, if the, Canadian border is still as problematic as it is for the league right now. Uh, you're going to have to remedy that somehow. So, you know, people have started speaking about the all Canadian division as, as uh, almost a certainty. Mm. So you have to take that as, as it is. And if that's the case, then you're going to obviously have a situation where all the American teams have to figure out what they're going to do. Right. And then you get back to the hybrid bubble idea, which for people who don't know, it's, it's kind of like what we saw in the summer for the playoffs, except, um, it would be a situation where teams are going to be able to leave for a period of time, go back home. People see their family, right. sleep in their own bed, do the whole thing, and then go back to the bubble to uh, re-engage in, in the schedule. And, and so that obviously lends, lends itself to a number of questions about, you know, the, how do you keep people safe? The, you know, can you trust people to be on their best behavior when they go back home? And, uh, and, it, and it does certainly open up the possibility that we're going to see some positive tests that we didn't see during the summer. But the, 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 NH, the NHL knows, I think, inherently that in order for get the, to get the players to buy in, they have to do it in this format or else, like, the, the players don't want to be away from their families for, like, two months, you know, so. Yeah, and we knew, you know, from a lot of players and coaches in the bubble speaking, you know, in interviews, and they obviously mentioned that it was tough to make that big of a sacrifice, you know, mm-hmm. to be away from their family. I know, obviously, the main one was Tuka Rask, who decided to end up, you know, leaving in the middle of the, middle of the playoffs. And, you know, obviously, it was totally understandable. And I know that, you know, if we're to do something similar to that in this season, I don't think personally that all the players would end up being fully okay with doing this again especially for a longer period of time than just two months now the next thing that was discussed and we've heard especially talking from the doubles perspective and the other six teams that did not qualify for the 2014 playoff is the possibility of the nhl allowing those teams to have 10 extra days for training camp do we have an idea as to what day exactly that training camp would begin for those seven teams we don't, but I mean, I, I think it's pretty obvious they're going to give them some sort of caveat just because of how long they will will have been away from the ice. I mean, you had 24 teams restart at the end of July right. in various ways and shapes and forms, and then 
you know, obviously teams like the Devils have, have not played for the better part of, of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I think there's going to be that caveat, but I'm not quite sure, you know, when it would start with, with you know, commiserate to when the season would start. No, it's, that's totally understandable. Now, obviously this past week we heard about the NBA Players Association voted unanimously to have a 72-game season starting just before Christmas. Now, obviously the NHL is going to start a little bit later. Do you feel that it's still a possibility for the NHL to have something like a 70-game season or because of the fact that they're starting in early to mid-January that that's just going to be unrealistic, maybe more of a 65-game regular season? Yeah, I think we're looking between like 48, which was sort of the number that they had during lockout seasons, and maybe around 65. Um, so there's two factors here. One being obviously the toll that hockey takes on its athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a pretty brutal game. You don't want to crowd a, a bunch of games into a week if you can avoid it. Um, but there's definitely going to be a lot of back-to-backs and certainly going to be uh, a lot of games concentrated within a week if they go to this bubble format. But then you have uh, two, two factors that are kind of weighing on what the NHL season will ultimately look like, which is, one, uh, the Olympics uh, on NBC, which are in July. Mm-hmm. Um, the NHL wants to avoid pushing too close to those Olympic Games, where they might have to put games on you know, during the tournament because they, right. they know that you know, NBC's real estate is all booked up for the, that, that television presentation. With with the with the notion, of course, being that we don't even know, you know, if the Olympics are a certainty to happen. Of right course. now, they they are. Uh, and then the other thing, and this is the most important thing, is uh, they want to have an 82 game season in in 21 22. Right. Uh, it's the first year of the Kraken in Seattle. Um, new TV deal. Like it is paramount that they get a normal, uh, full schedule in for that season. And right. you know, uh, again, like by that time there is a, uh, a big hope that there'll be a vaccine for COVID. At the very least, there'll be better treatments for it. People are right. going to be more comfortable getting back to normalcy, that whole, whole thing. And so you look at uh, that season as uh, a real possibility of, of it being a traditional season and open up the revenue streams, get fans back in the building, all that stuff. And, and they don't want to do anything to jeopardize right. the integrity of that and, and obviously playing into August or whatever would, would seriously impact that. Yeah, no, it's just going to be very interesting to see how the NHL finalizes this upcoming season, because like you mentioned, wanting to have a full 82 game season for 2021, 22, for all the reasons that you pointed out. Now, another big thing, and this should come as no surprise is talking about testing because when the NHL did testing in the bubble this past year, they did 33,394 team tests over the two months in the bubble. And they said that they estimated spending between 75 and $90 million during that time. Is that, you know, and obviously that's like a little, a small, you know, snippet of what could possibly be in two months of an NHL season. Is that going to be something with the financial losses that a lot of these teams have already gotten? Would that be something that NHL teams would make them, you know, less interested or less wanting to have a season actually happen because of the amount of money that would go into just testing these players? I don't think the testing is, is, the, is the determining factor for that feeling, but there are definitely teams, and we, we had a few of them tell us off the record uh, or on background uh, for the piece that Emily Kaplan and I did that are, are a little bit wary about coming back and playing in a season where 
you know, they're not going to get any revenue from their buildings for a good portion of it. And then when they do come back, it's going to be at a very limited capacity. And, right. you know, thinking that it'd be more financially advantageous not to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the thing that the, that we, we know from the NHL, though, uh, both on the record and on background is um, it's an all or nothing proposition. It's not going to be a situation where teams are going to be able to opt out for this season. You know, the Board of Governors decides to do something uh, as a whole not, you know, as, as, you know, 29 teams. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I, I, there are other leagues uh, that I've written about the Southern Professional Hockey League, the ECHL, where teams have opted out. Right. And, uh, and are going to come back um, in 21, 22. Uh, And the American Hockey League is a little bit wary about the possibility of that happening there too. But in the NHL, despite the, the cost that testing is going to have and and the, the lack of revenue from, playing the season, it, it doesn't sound like they're going to have any teams opt out just because it's going to be, we're all in this together kind of vibe. Yeah, I did, I did recall reading that part that you wrote in that article about, you know, the NHL doesn't feel like they have to worry about any team opting out. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm kind of curious to know if some players may still decide to opt out depending on the situation. Um, my next question to you, Greg, is, is this. We also did hear about there was, for a little bit of time, the possibility the NHL was going to try to have an outdoor game at Lake Louise in Banff National Park, which is in <laughs> Alberta, which I couldn't yeah. believe it when I actually saw that that was a possibility. Um, and obviously it didn't really come to fruition. But do you feel that the NHL is still trying to have some sort of either a spectacle to start the season or just uh, a sort of outdoor game at some point this year? Yeah, they are. And, um, you know, the Lake Louise thing didn't come together because uh, they found out pretty quickly that the infrastructure they'd need to build for a game like that, plus the sponsorship that they would need to pay for it, are two things that the uh, Canadian National Park Service sort of frowned upon. But they're looking elsewhere. They they are looking at interesting sites uh, where they could hold the game without any spectators, which unfortunately eliminates possibilities like Central Park or the National Mall in D.C. Right. Um, because I think they, they don't want to necessarily have to do crowd control, uh, mm-hmm. which would obviously happen if you hold games in those spots. Right. Um, but I do think they're looking to start the season with a bang, with a very uh, interesting locale for a, a game or two. Uh, I will say that the stadium series game that was scheduled for NC State uh, mm-hmm. has not been canceled. Winter Classic's been canceled. It's been postponed a, a year. Um, at, at least, but the right. stadium series game has not. And, and I, I was talking to somebody with knowledge of that, um, of that game recently that said uh, they wouldn't be surprised if, if that game maybe still happens in an open air environment later in the season. And we still don't know exactly who would be playing the Carolina Hurricanes in that game, correct? Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah, okay. we don't know. Yeah, a lot of Devils fans have been messaging me saying that they hope that maybe the Devils are the lucky team, but I could be, you know, I, I think we've I think we've had our fair share of disappointment in an outdoor game. Now, the last couple of questions real quick are just about the Devils, because obviously this is the Devils' state of mind podcast. My question to you is, my first question with the Devils is simply this. When you look at the offseason the Devils have had, now obviously new general manager, new head coaching staff, new coaching staff, they acquired a bunch of players, they went through the draft. How do you feel general manager Tom Fitzgerald has done so far in his time as the New Jersey Devils general manager? Um, Pretty good. I, I, I liked the Ryan Murray acquisition a lot. Um, I think uh, Andres Johansson is sort of in, in keeping with the tradition that the Devils have had the last couple of seasons, which is to 
take advantage of other teams' uh, cap situations. Um, the Corey Crawford signing was a real interesting one. Um, I think that certainly stabilizes the position in a way that it hadn't been stabilized previously, where now you've got, you know, obviously Blackwood, we, we know what he's capable of after right. the season that he had, but clearly needed a veteran uh, in, in the tandem with him. So mm-hmm. that position is, is stronger than it's been in a very long time. Crawford's still got a lot left, I think. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the real intrigue, I think, for the team now is uh, probably surrounding what, whatever Jack Hughes becomes this season. Right. I mean, he had a very, very difficult rookie year. Uh, the transition to the NHL was hard. Um, it, it's always hard for uh, a young center to move into the NHL. Uh, you have to take defensively. Um, that, it's something I've, I've heard for a long time. I remember talking to Matthew Shane about that back in the day when he was a rookie, just the idea of, of, you know, as a defenseman, you can come in and kind of figure it out pretty quickly, mm-hmm. you know, goaltending, the speed of the game is different, but it's still goaltending. Right. Um, but, but if you're a, a young center and you've been tasked for years to just like pile on points and now all of a sudden you come to the national hockey league and, and you have to like, you know, defend Connor McDavid or something right. such like it right. becomes a, a very different <laughs> equation. So I think for Jack, like the, the growth from year one to year two is going to be a real key um, and something to, to, to keep an eye on. Um, you know, you still talk to people around this league that aren't convinced that he's ultimately going to end up a center uh, mm-hmm. that, that think that there's still a chance that he could develop into like a Patrick Kane-esque winger, mm-hmm. which I mean, great if you end up getting Patrick Kane, but ultimately I think what the Devils envision for this lineup is, you know, Jack Hughes and, and Nico Heischer in perpetuity up, up right. the gut. Um, and and it, it becomes a much easier path towards respectability if you know your top two center spots are locked down for, the, you know, the next decade. So I'll, I'll be interested to see, you know, I, I've heard good things about his offseason training and things like that. I'm hoping to right. catch up with him at some point soon. Um, but that's really the the most fascinating prospect about what what the Devils are looking at for next year. Now you you probably kind of answered my next question, and it was pretty much you know are there is there one Devil or several Devils that you have high hopes for going into this year? You know you did mention Jack Hughes. You know he's certainly going to be the the main guy that people are going to focus on. I personally mentioned guys like you know Nikita Gusev, Jesper Bratt, mm-hmm. and also you know Nico Hishier as well, but. Are there any other Devils players that you have high hopes for or you're interested to see how they do this upcoming season? I mean, you, you nailed it. Um, you know, I, I, do, I do kind of want to get a sense of maybe a little bit more proof of concept on Blackwood and, and kind of figure out what they have there. I, I was an advocate for drafting the Russian kid in the, uh, in the draft. You I were, thought that I would have been that. an interesting move. Yeah, I mean, I, he's, he's – I mean – from all accounts, a lot of us thought was, that Askarov possibly was going to be taken. I, I think a lot of people felt like, oh, let's have Blackwood and Askarov, you know. And so, yeah. You know, I think that was, a, that was definitely something even up to when the Devils were at pick number seven and, we were all talking yeah. about. And I didn't really think too much of it until I, I actually talked to Tom Fitzgerald uh, uh, maybe a few weeks before the draft to just kind of touch base and see where they were offseason wise. And, you know, like he started to kind of, bring up some of the selling points of drafting a goalie right uh in in a way that would indicate that it's like there had been some thought there (laughs) you know probably was like like, like, not not that i mean obviously they think about drafting 
every uh, player available in the, in the top 12. You have to be ready for it. But like the way that he was discussing it was very much like here, here's the, 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 the PR uh, talking points on drafting a goaltender that I may, right. I may need to unleash if we do, right. um, which got me real thinking that they were considering it. Maybe they were, they weren't considering it as much as he let on, but um, you know, it, it, it was a player at that point in the draft where, um, you know, it, 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 it was certainly intriguing to have a, a goaltender of that ilk available. Yeah. Um, but it does sound like they got a real, a real good one. Um, uh, with their pick in the first round and, and someone that from a goal scoring perspective could be a real right. difference maker for the team. Yeah. He's certainly an exciting prospect. And, and I said this, you know, on last week's episode that I feel like ever since he got drafted, he's, you know, taken his game to another level. He started, you know, really showcasing himself to a lot of doubles fans and a lot of people out there. And again, talking about Askarov real quick. I mean, I think a lot of teams felt that if the devils didn't take him, that he was going to drop, pretty not significantly but he was going to drop and and that's what ended up being the case because it was definitely a nerve-wracking situation there now my last question to you greg and again thank you so much for taking some time to jump on with us today is simply this in your honest opinion because we like we like honesty here on this podcast where (laughs) do you see the devils actually finishing this season you can say at the bottom if that's where you feel it's totally understandable well it's a complicated question um, because while I don't think they're going to be very good, and, and it wouldn't surprise me to see them finish in the, in the bottom again, despite, I think, an uptick in goaltending and mm-hmm. despite the maturation of some of their younger players, the real trick is that we don't know what the alignment of the league is going to be, right? So, like, oh, yes, the Canadian division uh, idea is, is a real one right. because of the, bump, the, the border issue. And so if you have all these Canadian teams in one division, you know, what are the other divisions going to look like? Are these divisions going to be the ones, these hubs, if they, if they do that thing, mm-hmm. are they going to be the ones that determine who, you know, is, is seated in the, in the 16-team Stanley Cup tournament? Right. Uh, it becomes sort of a, a different prospect than simply looking at the Metro and saying, okay, I think this is the worst team in the Metro. Because it could be a, a combination of teams where the Devils, you know, may be better than a couple of them, you know, depending right. on what the alignment is. Right. Um, but, but also maybe not. Who's to say? I mean, like if you all of a sudden are in a cluster, let's say the Devils and like Detroit and Ottawa are in your cluster. Well, all right, great. You're going to be better than both those teams. Right. <laughs> you of know, course, like, of course. So, so it's, uh, it, it becomes more of a question of what does next season look like versus what are the Devils going to end up being? Well, that, well, well, one thing is definitely for certain is that it's going to be a very, very interesting year. A year certainly like no other we've ever seen as a hockey fan. Now, Greg, before I let you go, because I do this with all my guests, just for the folks at home, let them know where they can find out more about you and the things that you're doing right now. Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, I'm at ESPN, uh, and uh, you can find all my writing on the NHL page on ESPN. Um, just head there, and we've got stuff semi-regularly now because it's the off-season, but right. you can go back and read our big pieces on, on what the season could end up looking like. I had a big piece on Thursday in my column about uh, the NHL and COVID and mm-hmm. sort of what we know months later. And my, my columns should run pretty regularly on Thursdays. Uh, ESPN and Ice, the podcast with Emily Kaplan, is probably on a little bit of off-season hiatus. Puck Soup uh, is semi-regular, um, depending on if we have advertising uh, each week. But right. you can listen to all of our uh, episodes on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And you could also sign up for our Patreon 
where we do fresh content on a weekly basis and two uh, bonus episodes each month. You can find that on uh, patreon.com slash pucksoup. And then I'm on Twitter at Wyshynski, W-Y-S-H-Y-N-S-K-I. Um, and uh, as everybody knows, tweet fairly regularly. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's me. Also, if you're looking for something to read, I mean, it is Christmas time, what have you. Uh, if you know a hockey fan that maybe needs a primer on the game a little bit, just getting into the sport, I got a right. book called uh, Take Your Eye Off the Puck that's uh, in its fifth printing now. It's done really wow. well. Congratulations. Um, and uh, thanks. And you can check that out. It's uh, available on Amazon and wherever your uh, books are sold. Sort of a, you know, a way, if you're like a, a moderate fan, you get a bit right. smarter. If you're a new fan, it's a good entry point to the game. All those things are great. Greg, well, thank you so much for taking some time yeah. today to speak with us. We do mm -hmm. greatly appreciate it. And we'll definitely have you on again down the road when the Devils season and the NHL season gets underway. So thank you so much for coming on today. You got it, bud. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. What's going on, guys? It's your host, Neil Villapiano. Thank you so much for checking out this week's edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. If you want to continue to listen to these episodes, here's what you do. You go on your computer and you type in Hockey Podcast Network, and you can check out the website, hockeypodcastnetwork.org, where you can see all the logos for all the podcasts that we do. You'll see the Devil's logo, and you can click on that. You can also just check out all the other hockey podcasts that we have on this great network where we cover every single team in the NHL. And we have a bunch of other hockey podcasts along with those. So make sure you go check all of those out. We post new episodes every single Monday. And we also post them wherever you listen to podcasts. So whether that's Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, just search Hockey Podcast Network or Devil's State of Mind and you will find it. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at Devil State, on Instagram at Devil State of Mind, and also on Facebook at Devil State of Mind. On all of those, I will post when the new episodes are up, as well as just interactions with you guys, the fans, as we talk about our team, the New Jersey Devils. And also in the bio of all of those social medias, we have a link to the Devil State of Mind website where there. You can just check out all the episodes and go directly to where we have them. You can bookmark it so you can just keep it and make it very easy for you. So please go check those out as well. Again, new episodes of the podcast every single Monday. If you want to listen to me just talk about more things that are going on in sports, not just in hockey, you can follow me on the Mofobo Network podcast, which is available on Anchor and Spotify, where every week we post new episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays talking about the most up-to-date news in the wide world of sports. I also have a YouTube channel called Mofobo Network Presents. New videos come out every single Wednesday where just like on the podcast, we get a topic that we discuss that's going on right now in the wide world of sports. So go check me out on all those. Again, it's spelled M-O-F-O-B-O -O Network Podcast on Anchor and Spotify and M-O-F-O-B-O -O Network Presents on YouTube, where there you can just continue to listen to me talk about things that are going on in this great world that is the world of sports. You can follow me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W and my personal Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11. And last but certainly not least, go check out my book on Amazon and Barnes & Noble right now called J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 which is about the pain and suffering 
of being a New York Jets fan. So if you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know someone who's one of those, or if you just want to support me, just go check that book out. It, it chronicles all the painful memories, painful games, painful player decisions, and everything else that evolves around the New York football Jets. So please go check it out. It's available for hardcover and ebook for the price of 1969. But if you're a Jets fan or a football fan, you probably guessed why I chose that price. So thank you guys once again for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. My name is Neil Bell Piano, and we will see you in the next episode. Everyone continue to be the awesome, amazing people that you are out there. Make sure that you're always helping out others. And one last thing, rock on. Woo!